Hello, this is Greg Poling with the Center for Strategic and International Studies, and I'm chatting today with Bill Hayden uh, from Chatham House and author of the forthcoming The Invention of China, which is going to be available in about two weeks in the UK. And unfortunately, those of us across the pond are going to have to wait until next month, but I encourage everybody to pick it up as quickly as possible because there is nobody better on the South China Sea than Bill. Bill, thanks for uh, chatting with me today. Very sweet of you, Greg. You're the other person whose books we must read on the South China Sea when yours is published. <laughs> uh, if I can ever wrap it up, uh, maybe next spring. We'll, we'll have to see what, what the world looks like by then. Uh, let's, let's talk South China Sea. So we've had an interesting few months in which there's been this diplomatic back and forth. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has strengthened U.S. rhetoric. On, on the issue, we've also had uh, surprising, I think, interventions by the UK, the French, the Germans, raising European interest again in, in the dispute. So why is it that uh, Europe cares? And, and, and particularly, why all of a sudden do we, does it seem like Europe cares more? I think it's a fear about what China's rise means for the world. And Europeans like international law, they like rules. Um, and they see China as a sort of uh, in a, a potentially a rogue actor wandering around, not observing the rules. And they think that once that starts to happen, it will start to break down everywhere. We can see already in the eastern Mediterranean, Turkey uh, drawing lines in the sea in the same way that uh, China has done uh, for quite a long time. So I think it's a sense that they want to kind of shore up the international system before uh, and, and kind of see that whether China is willing to behave. And uh, it's that more than a sort of a strategic or resource question, uh, which I think is probably slightly different from the, the US perspective. I think you're probably right. I mean, certainly there, there's uh, a strategic aspect to, to US-China competition that maybe isn't as, as clear for, for the U, uh, UK or for, or for France or for Germany. The U.S. certainly does care about rules and norms, maybe not universally across parties. Mm -hmm. This is one of those issues, though, that I think does activate that that American sense of, of equity and fairness. China's claims are, are just so egregious. Uh, and when it comes to freedom of the seas, I mean, it's really hard to find another issue that uh, in which the United States has such an abiding national interest, not only in the mm -hmm. South China Sea, where we've been involved for, for almost a century, but, I mean, this is why Jefferson sent Marines to the Barbary Coast. It's, it's a large part of the reason that the U.S. and, and the Brits went to war in 1812. And so it, it certainly is something that uh, I think strikes a chord in the U.S. But we also have uh, more immediate concerns about regional security and our role as a security provider. We have the Philippine Alliance. I wonder if those immediate concerns about credibility are part of the reason that the U.S. seems to be more, uh, often more in crisis mode about the South China Sea, right? The, the concern seems more immediate for the U.S. than it does for the Europeans, who often approach this somewhat abstractly, it seems. Yeah, I think abstractly, but also I think the legacy, you know, the U.K., France, the Netherlands, all former colonial powers, um, and Germany, you know, if you go further back in the Asia-Pacific, uh, also a former colonial power, um, and, you know, a kind of reluctance to go down that road again. But I think now a sense that they're also being encouraged to get back involved in various ways by the smaller countries in the region, uh, plus Japan and being part of the G7 and those kind of commitments of trying to shore up a, a rules-based order. I think that's what drives the Europeans. So if, if for the Americans, this is about 
rules on one hand and credibility on the other. And for the Europeans, it's also about rules. And both have a, a historical viewpoint here. The European historical viewpoint perhaps more conflicted than the American. What is it that makes China's viewpoint different? Right? Why is it that when we talk about rules and norms, that seems to fall on deaf ears in Beijing? I think for China, I mean, there is a strategic element to this. There's a resource element, you know, the actual the fish and the oil in the South China Sea. But I think they fundamentally look at it through a territorial lens. They're thinking because of various misreadings of, of historical evidence in the 20th century, they're thinking this area the, within the, 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 the dashed line in the South China Sea, this is ours and nobody else you know, can take it from us. And that, I think, is the starting point for everything. And in the book, I try to, well, the final chapter, I, I try to show how that story developed uh, through the first 40 years of 50 years of the, of the 20th century. And the fact that that Chinese viewpoint largely robs Southeast Asia of its agency, that doesn't seem to be a problem for China. What, one of the things I often struggle with is why is it that Chinese interlocutors seem so incapable of recognizing that other Asians do not share their worldview? I think, and, and this is something I also look at in the book, is there was this deliberate inculcation of anxiety about China's territory in the early 20th century. You know, not necessarily for bad reasons. I mean, China was fighting a war with Japan at one point, and it had concerns about France. So it's there, but it hasn't moved on. These territorial questions are still a, a useful force for Chinese leaders. And it doesn't really matter what the Filipinos or the Malaysians or the Vietnamese have to say in their own history books. <laughs> Sadly not. Thanks a lot, Greg. Thanks, Bill. Let's wrap it there. It's great talking to you. And you. See you soon.